0: morning i am delighted to be joined by dr david kirkland he's the author of a surge past silence the literacy of young black men his accolades go way beyond his role in education as someone who really inspires us to think as educators of transformation transformation you know, the ways our students learn, the ways they engage with learning, but also to think of ourselves as educators, as anti-racists, as people who are activists in our own right for social justice. Most importantly, I respect your work as an academic who is also actively engaging in transforming our society from the ways that we think about our world from the ways that we think about what is possible, from the ways that we have been domesticated to think certain things are impossible, like equity, like, you know, humanity being part of our students' education. Um, so I want to engage you and perhaps entreat you to tell a story, paint a picture of how do we create a system that allows us to learn And be humanized by it, not dehumanized. In many ways, I think when we go to school, that's our first lesson in stay still, don't move. You know, becoming this automatic robots. You know, we just do as we're told. And I think what you're inviting us to do is something very different, to become animated in our own imagination, animated in our ways of seeing uh, a way through the injustice, a way through the systematic oppression, to find the tools to create our own tools to remake the world, you know, in the ways that we would love to to see it, in the ways that would serve all of us.
1: A lot has been written about this. You know, a lot of people are talking about what do we need? You know, we don't only need schools that our students, our babies deserve, right? We also need to create schools that deserve our babies. Our babies are more. And, and the question is, how do you do it, right? So uh, I would... You know, to, to people who are listening to this and you're really interested in, you know, kind of like reimagining schooling and education, life and the situation and the environment of, you know, people who have found themselves vulnerable, you know, um, people who are vulnerable because of systemic oppression, you know, um, and the other forces of dehumanization that wants to rob us of life instead of give us more life. If you're interested in that project, you know, um, I would suggest that you look at the work around culturally responsive, sustaining education. That's the way. And what it's saying is that those who are closest to the problem are closest to the solution. That those who are most implicated by a system should be integral, should be part of its design. That we have to build our own. You know, that education systems for our babies should be built by our hands, designed by us, that the choices that are made from curricular choices to personnel choices should be choices that we make, not choices that are made for us or imposed upon us. That's the basic logic, that the idea of education should be rooted in the substance of our souls, that it should be about us. The other piece, you know, um, and by way of story, because you asked me to tell a story. We have to feed our better wolves, right? There is this Cherokee proverb that features a grandfather speaking to his grandson. The grandfather says to the young man, he says, there's a fight going on inside of me. And he says that it's a terrible fight and it's between two wolves. One is evil, he is anger, envy, sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority, lies false pride, superiority, and ego. The grandfather continued. The other is good. He is joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. The same fight is going on inside of you and inside of every other person, too. The grandson thought about it for a minute and then turned to his grandfather and asked, which wolf when? And the grandfather replied, the one you feed. So we have to feed our better wolf, right? We have to feed this idea of joy, peace, love, hope, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence, empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. And the question is, what does feeding these wolves look like? Well, those elements are the substance of our redesign, right? So when we redesign, Educational spaces. As we redesign opportunity, how do we center things like joy? Our, our students currently don't experience joy when they go to school. They don't get the foundation of education. The foundation or the basics of education aren't things like reading, writing, and arithmetic. I'm a prolific writer and an avid reader. I read about 50 books a year, some hundred plus articles a year. I've written over a hundred and fifty including seven books but before i became a prolific writer and added reader i had an opportunity to fall in love with words to allow the look of letters to dangle off of my tongue right the basics of education are things like pleasure play curiosity and creativity and when students are hurting they're things like healing this is the foundation and we have to build from that foundation the foundation of hope the foundation of love the foundation of peace foundation of serenity foundation of humility and kindness and benevolence empathy and generosity truth and compassion and faith that's what the redesign looks like that's feeding our better wolves
0: you know uh, as a child there was always this attending to the land and in many ways you know we are the seeds right we're the seeds we're cultivating um in a time of pandemic though you know we've We've already lived through a world where, despite being inside the classroom, many students feel invisibilized. I said invisibilized because we're not invisible. We're invisibilized by the structures that oppress us. So how do we break those barriers?
1: Yeah, I think think you said it best, that we're not invisible. We've been invisibilized. But I think part of the part of the change, part of the revolution, is when we divest in that system that invisibilizes us. When we decide that it's no longer that it no longer has power over us, that we no longer have to exist in it. This is why collective community care is so important. And we have to build and maintain the situations and the environments that sustain us. Malcolm X makes the distinction between segregation and separation. We have to separate ourselves from dehumanization and dehumanizing conditions, not necessarily segregate, because we invite in and are willing to integrate with anyone who has the purpose and the cause of humanity at their base. But certainly it becomes at some point an obligation to distance ourselves and distance ourselves truly from things that do not support, sustain, or love us. It is our job to surround ourselves with the things that will see us. Ralph Ellison, he writes in *Invisible Man*, "I'm invisible not because you know I don't exist, but because they refuse to see me." Which means that we have to shape our reality not around those who cannot or refuse to see us, but about those who can and want to.
0: I guess what advice would you offer to teachers who are intentional about their desire to care for their students to? Uh, their teaching, and yet are feeling the challenges by institutional uh, rigidity and, you know, the whole marking schemes that, you know, delimited um, what is worth knowing and what had to be taught, and how do we uh, transgress against the institutions that employ us? How do we transgress in a way that both enabled us to uplift, you know, our our students, and also forge the path, you know, uh, for ourselves and for others to take more risks in being a teacher that is intentional about liberation, not just helping students stand over to look over the barriers, but rather to take down the barriers altogether.
1: You, you go out to, you know, accommodation and resistance. You know, the third possibility I want to put out is, you know, recreation or creation itself. And that is the possibility of existing and being outside of the box, existing and being outside of the system. Audre Lorde tells us that we can't tear down the master's house with the master's tools, that we can't ex- exist within a system and think that we can exist within a system that has been designed purposely not to serve us, you know, um, and make that system bow too often we'll find frustration. We will be wounded, if not hurt or killed ourselves within that system, you know, seeking so to resist it, that, that that there are other alternatives, there are other options. And one option is complete divestment. right? We talk about, you know, um, defunding police. You know, I want to have a conversation about moral and cultural investment in these systems. How do we, you know, um, defund our investment in these systems, right, in order to create our own systems? There's a moment in the 60s where the revolutionaries were talking about the possibility of building a new world, building new systems. Um, in the Declaration of Independence, you know Thomas Jefferson writes about, you know, if if a society no longer functions for the people, it becomes the people's obligation to abolish that society and create a new one. Like, how do we begin to create a new society that starts and begins with us, that divests in this system? That does not work for us. That's where I begin, you know, kind of the clamors of education, educational justice and educational freedom, you know, kind of beginning with an abolition process and moving toward, you know, a process of liberation that means that we are creating something new by our hands and for us. You know, um, so I just want to put out there that possibility. If you are becoming frustrated because you are a co-conspirator within a system that has not been designed to support our babies, and you are frustrated, you know, um, and you are experiencing your own types of trauma, you're um, violence, you, you are experiencing daily but the daily violence of a system. Let's let's work together. Let's get together with other people, and let's see what we can build together. That is otherwise. That is alternative. Because we actually can do that. The possibility of world making in our hearts and our hands that we can remake this world into the world that we need to see and that we want to see
0: when we think about culture though you you bring a very important point in that culture is one of the tools that has been used to oppress us you know we're told this is the culture you you live in this country and the culture here is uh, as if as if culture was some homogeneous story, you know, the one univocal story. And I always say people, culture is what we create, you know, what we're creating daily. And how do you invite your students to not only see themselves as cultural agents, but also as the creators of that culture?
1: On, on, on an idea of culture, I don't, I don't know if culture, you know, um, hates us. I think It is the abandonment, it is the dissolution, it's the destruction of culture, you know, that's violent. I think that's what we see in the United States, especially when we try to force out a single story. That, you know, Americana is not culture. Americana is a type of distortion that's promoted by the forces of, you know, um, the forces of those who are in power, you know. um, But within that, you know, are these beautiful, powerful cultures that teach us, that sustain us, that we should learn from, that we contribute to and they contribute to us, right? We make them and they make us, you know, um, and I do think a recognition of that and helping young people, helping students understand the recognition of that so we can be far more intentional in the process, you know, could be powerful. It could be transformative. So the question is, you know, how do we bring about a recognition of what culture is, you know, and what culture can be, you know, um, and how culture has within it a DNA, you know, um, for a people, you know, um, and that we have different DNA, right? The DNA that makes us, you know, that, that, that give us this chain of relations and that when we come together to create like this pluralistic world, you know, it makes the world more bountiful and beautiful, biodiversity, cultural diversity, you know, um, is powerful, as powerful as it is pragmatic, you know, it's important for us to kind of like talk about that, talk about those lessons. And I think that this is what the conversation that we're having is about. Why don't we have these lessons? Why isn't this the standard in school? Why aren't we teaching our young people about their cultural agency, about their cultural responsibilities, right? Why aren't we teaching, you know, um, people about this kind of, you know, celebratory, elongated chain that we belong to, right? Why aren't we teaching people about the intersectionality of cultures and mixtures and the ways that that mixture can make for a more beautiful and exciting, you know, life force, right? Why aren't we? Why aren't we doing this work in our schools? It seems the most important work to do. And it's because so often our schools seek to distort or deny culture, you know, that we get into the tangle of oppression, you know, the types of oppressions that we see endure that are maintained, you know, because of the systems and the situations that value the few, you know, over the many.
0: For the past 15 years, I've been very engaged with global social movements, not just in education, but in gender equity and indigenous social movements. And one of the things that I know is a constant in my life is the need for celebration, the need for us to recognize, to see each other, you know, in our efforts, right? However humble it may seem to us, how when we look back, we see uh, the beautiful, uh, opportunities we co-created for ourselves you know when someone said oh that's silly that's impossible and then you go and do it we don't know what we're capable of until we do it so in closing i wonder if you could talk a little bit about what inspires you what keeps you energized what keeps you um, you know moving on those days when you know we all hit them right we get the blues and we feel like the world is completely crashing our spirit how do you re-energize how do you keep yourself in motion how do you keep yourself um hopeful you know my mother says hopelessness precedes disease so how, how do you energize from within? You listen to Latin Ways. To support our work, please visit latinwaysmedia.com and consider becoming a member for as little as $1 per month. Thank you for listening.
1: A similar question by a reporter recently. You know, the um, r- reporter asked me, why do I engage this work? I suppose I do the work, you know, not for myself, because of our babies, because of our children and a deep and abiding love that I have for them. Like, how do you look at, you know, um, the possibilities of our womb and not want to make a difference? To say that everything that we do in terms of transformation isn't solely for us, but for those who will replace us. And that we should have something that brings or pricks our hearts. You know, on um, if the answer to the question, what did we leave behind for them? is that we left them empty, If we that we left them vacant, that we left them with a world that was contemptible and corrupt, right? I get to be at New York University. I'm currently the Vice Dean of Equity, Belonging, Community Action at the NYU Steinhardt School, one of the largest, you know, um, schools and the largest private university in the nation. I'm also the Executive Director of the NYU Metro Center and a Professor of Urban Education here. I wouldn't be in this place if someone had not fought for me to be here. If someone hadn't reached into their chest and found love for someone they did not know, again, across that chain, like you said, past, present, and future, and decided that they were going to fight with the understanding that they may not live out to enjoy the rewards of their labors, but that I would. And that was enough for them. And what I want to say right now is that that's enough for me. There's another story, right? There's a story of a a man who drives to a beach. It's dark out. And he sees in a distance a form that looks like it's moving forward, but it's bowing and rising, bowing and rising. And he walks up and he sees that it's a little girl. And he introduces himself and she introduces herself. And he asks the young girl, he says, what are you doing? And she says, you know, um, I'm trying to save the starfish. And the man looks at the beach and he says, there must be thousands of starfish on this beach. You can't possibly make a difference. And the little girl looks at the man. She bends over, she picks up the starfish and she throws it back into the ocean. And she says to the man, I made a difference to this one. I do the work because I know. I may not be able to make a difference to everyone. It doesn't matter. But I can make a difference to this one. And that keeps me going. That's my fuel. And for as many starfishes as, as you know, I'm able to pick up in my life and throw back into the waters so that they can have a little bit more life, that's reward enough for me.
0: That's beautiful. Thank you so much. You know, I was thinking that as we has faced four years of a, you know, a president who made it very clear that polarization uh, was the way to secure his power, now more than ever, we have also become very aware of the power of people. You know, we're in the yes. middle of a pandemic, 26 million people participate in the Blacks Lives Matter rallies, you know, across the U.S. and Canada. And I think about the number of people who think about you know what what my actions may mean, what one person's action can mean, and to me, it means the world. You know, it means when we work together, when we walk together, when we hold hands together, uh, anything is possible, really. You know, and so I I'm so grateful for the way that you engage us for the for your stories. For the move to not only decolonize, you know, the way we see education, uh, not as a tool of domestication, but also as a door to transformation, as a way to imagine what has yet to be imagined. So, in parting, what will be your invitation to our audience as they face, uh, you know, the uncertainty of pandemic in the midst of a still very much colonial landscape and yet uh, full of possibilities that we are co-creating daily.
1: I would be remiss not to talk about COVID in this moment, especially COVID when it comes to vulnerable communities and vaccination when it comes to vulnerable communities here in New York City of the eligible vaccination population, which are people 65 and older and healthcare workers primarily. You know, um, 70, about 77% are white and the vaccination rate is about 78% white. You know, um, about eight, 7% are Asian and the vaccination rate for Asians are about 8%. Latinx, the population, eligible population is 14% and the vaccination rates are 11%. So it's not there. There's a disparity for Blacks. The population of qualified individuals is about 17% you know, um, and the rates are, you know, 4%. And we don't trust this system, you know, um, and we've seen, you know, the disparities in terms of, you know, kind of like individuals with COVID. We've seen the disparities in terms of COVID deaths, you know, um, across communities, the ways right now the disease is taking our elders within our indigenous communities away, right? It's, it's catastrophic. You know, um, and it's a historical reminder of how we, what, how populations of our people have been wiped out in the past, which is, you know, re-traumatizing from a historical perspective. You know, so, so one thing that I will say is let's care for ourselves. Let's care for each other. We need each other more now than we ever have. We need to keep each other safe. We need to keep, keep each other comforted. We need to keep each other, period, right? You know, um, and the other lesson, you know, is far more hopeful, and that is we have to focus not only on what the disease has taken from us, but what it's given us. What I've seen, you know, since March 2020, you know, are people coming together in force. I've spoken to my mom more since March 2020 uh, 2020 than I've spoken to her, you know, in the previous 15 years of me being in New York City. We FaceTime almost daily now. And while I miss being with her um, physically, like present with her, we find other ways to be present. I know more about her now. You know, um, and and that kind of treasure of, you know, just trying to think about who and what we can be to each other, that we can reimagine life, that we can, you know, figure things out together, to me is just monumental. It's important. And then the other thing is just, just knowing that we have each other. Like, let somebody know that they have you and be open to the possibility that somebody else, you know, um, you know, um, has you, right? So you have somebody else and, and they have you. And I think that that gift, that gift of grace will go a long way.
0: Thank you so much for being with us. This has been such a delight. And for uh, our audience to access your books, how can they access your, your latest books? And I, I would recommend all of them, but how would they reach you? How can they access you?
1: Yeah, um, any any type of digital bookstore, online, um, Amazon, Amazon, you know, um, you can access you know all of my content on Amazon, but also you know if you want to follow the movement, follow us at NYU Metro Center. So if you Google NYU Metro Center, we're the first link that comes up, and we make available free resources you know um, for our community, you know, um, and it's about about the things that I was talking about today. So please, you know, um, reach out you know and share. You can also contact me via email. D A V I D E K I R K L A N D at Gmail. So it's David E Kirkland at gmail.com.
0: Thank you again for being with us today.
1: Thank you, Sylvia.
0: Thank you for listening to Latin Waves. Latin Waves is an independently produced syndicated radio program made available for free to campus and community radios and also to the world at latinwaysmedia.com. Please visit the website to hear previous shows, hear about upcoming events, and consider becoming a member for as little as $1 per month.